0: Hello and welcome to Thoughts from an Engineer. I am that engineer, my name is Alex Girofanos, and I am your science communicator for this video. Boy, do we have an episode for you. We're talking about Space Force, the greatest branch of the military ever. We're going to talk about the new president's space policy, but as a science communicator, it's important for me to talk about both the Space Force, as well as the new space initiatives in the most scientific way possible. I'm a pretty opinionated person. If you go back to episode number 106, when John and I talked about space politics, it's a lot of fun and there were a lot of opinions. But what I think is the most valuable for all of us, including myself, is to set up the conversation in some scientific way. And what better way to do that than to set up an old favorite of Einstein's, a thought experiment. What will the Space Force and the new space policy directives for NASA do to the space industry? Here are the conditions for the thought experiment. First, I'll state my biases. We all have biases from our individual experiences in life, the environment around us, and possibly even our genetics and more have an influence on that. So for the sake of this thought experiment, we are assuming everyone is organically biased as human beings, especially in the 21st century, especially in the state of US politics. So let's try it with science. My biases. I am a second generation Greek-American who loves the idea of America and the American Dream, has an entrepreneurial spirit and an engineering background in aerospace manufacturing and 3D printing. I love science, and I have dedicated a huge portion of my efforts to trying to communicate science smarter. I love talking politics and strategy, but I should not be considered an expert. Merely an observer, trying to best communicate space policy for everyone, especially in this day and age. Second, let's talk about some facts on the new space directive of NASA. You can find all the links for the facts we talk about here in this show details. There are now three space policy directives for NASA. They each discuss portions of the overall direction that NASA will be heading over the next three years, assuming nothing changes. The directive for NASA in 2010 was set by President Obama. NASA's directive was to set far-reaching exploration milestones, By 2025, begin crewed missions beyond the moon, including sending humans to an asteroid. By the mid-2030s, send humans to orbit Mars and return them safely to Earth. NASA's latest directive, set in December of 2017, by our current president states, NASA's Space Policy Directive 1 is to lead an innovative and sustainable program of exploration with commercial and international partners to enable human expansion across the solar system and to bring back to Earth new knowledge and opportunities. Beginning with missions beyond low Earth orbit, the United States will lead the return to humans to the moon for long-term exploration and utilization, followed by human missions to Mars and other destinations. On May 24th, 2018, NASA received the Space Policy Directive 2 after it was signed by the president. Space Directive 2 is on streamlining regulations on commercial use of space. The policy states that any regulations adopted and enforced by the executive branch will promote economic growth, minimize uncertainty to taxpayers, investors, and private industry, protect national security, public safety, and foreign policy interests, and encourage American leadership in space commerce. It also sets up revisions of the standards for launch and re-entry licensing to make sure it aligns with the new objective. It also sets up a reorganization of the Department of Commerce to address space commerce regulations on all of the space flight activities and future activities as the commercial sector expands. The Secretary of Commerce, Director of the Office of Science and Technology Policy, and the FCC, the federal, Communication and Com- and, uh, sorry, the federal Communications Commission, will make sure that federal government activities related to radio frequency spectrum are in line with the directive. Uh, any export licensing regulations that affect commercial spaceflight will be initiated for a review, recommendations will be developed that will make sure the regulations are in line with the new directive to encourage American leadership in space commerce. Other than one other section that I don't even think was a real sentence, but a backwards legal run-on sentence, that's it for Space Policy Directive 2. Space Policy Directive 3 provides guidelines and direction to ensure that the United States is a leader in providing a safe and secure environment as commercial and civil space traffic increases. The policy begins with this. I think this is pretty important. For decades, the United States has effectively reaped the benefits of operating in space to to enhance our national security, civil, and commercial sectors. Our society now depends on space technologies and space-based capabilities for communications, navigation, weather, forecasting, and much more. Given the significance of space activities, the United States considers the continued unfettered access to and freedom to operate in space of vital interest to advance the security, economic prosperity, and scientific knowledge of the nation. The new directive seeks to reduce the growing threat of orbital debris to the common interest of all nations. It also sets guidelines for the United States to manage space traffic more effectively by spearheading new data-sharing initiatives. In closing, Space Directive 3 states, The United States will maintain and expand its leadership in space by increasing its capabilities and developing standards and practices. This effort will improve space situational awareness data standards and information sharing, leverage U.S. standards and best practices to shape international norms, and streamline processes and reduce regulatory burdens that inhibit commercial growth, enabling the U.S. commercial sector to lead the world in space. Now, as far as the facts about the Space Force, there really aren't that many as of today's date, but. Here is what the President said at the signing of Space Directive 3 on June 18th, 2018. I'm hereby directing the Department of Defense and Pentagon to immediately begin the process necessary to establish a Space Force as the sixth branch of the Armed Forces. We are going to have an Air Force, and we are going to have the Space Force, separate but equal. And... That's it. That's all we have as of today on the new branch of the military, the Space Force. In this last part of the thought experiment, I want to give you the pros and cons of the new Space Directive and the creation of the Space Force. Let's do a little history of NASA first because it's important to know where NASA came from to put the creation of a Space Force and the new Space Policy Directives into context. NASA was created as a direct response to the Soviet Union launching Sputnik on October 4, 1957. It changed the way we looked at space, politics, defense, technology, and led to incredible scientific developments. NASA was created under President Eisenhower when he signed the National Aeronautics and Space Act on July 29, 1958. The original space race occurred once technologies were developed and the Soviet Union and the United States were trying to see who could be the first on the surface of the moon. There were a lot of fears that an enemy could gain the ultimate high ground of the moon and would have a superior position to, say, drop a bomb wherever they wanted with the enemy being too far away to retaliate. So, needless to say, it was a crazy time to live. With President JFK, we had the funding for NASA to develop the technologies to get us to the moon because it was under a national defense budget. And we succeeded. We got to the moon first. And even though many things, as well as early failures, got in the way, we still succeeded. Now, with President Nixon, when he was in office, three things happened. The space shuttle started development, and the Environmental Protection Agency was created after we got our first picture of the Earth from the moon, um, put the whole thing into perspective for us. But we also changed the budget for NASA from being funded as a national defense budget issue to something closer to a national parks budget. Ever since then, NASA has had to sell what research and missions got funded to a revolving door of politicians and presidents with differing political views, including the direction NASA should take. We decided to focus our efforts on the space shuttle which helped us create the International Space Station and allowed us to maintain human presence in space by launching Americans from American soil. But with President W Bush and following the Challenger and Columbia disasters, human spaceflight was deemed too risky and the shuttle was unfortunately retired without a plan to launch American astronauts from American soil. So we focused again on the moon with the constellation program under President W. Bush, uh, President George W. Bush. It was too expensive and was cancelled when uh, President Obama decided to have NASA aim for Mars and asteroids, including developing the Space Launch System and Orion capsule to do so, because we dismantled both the Space shuttle and the Saturn V. Now. Having NASA change course every eight years between the Moon and Mars was extremely costly and I would say set us back in our progress. So the first pro of the new Space Policy Directive is that as of now, it is still planning on using the Space Launch System in Orion, which means all of the funding, research, and development NASA used during eight years of the Obama administration will not be wasted. Unless something changes. Uh, another pro to the new Space Policy Directive is that it plans to use the Moon as a stepping stone for Mars and beyond. This is to me the best of both worlds and allows NASA to lead our adventures into the final frontier. The basic idea is this, if, if we develop a, the technology to colonize Mars, or simply survive and live on the surface of something, what do you do when there's an emergency, like in The Martian? Right now, if you're on Mars with an emergency, and we launched a rocket immediately, Immediately from when you had that issue, it would take at least six to nine months for us to get there. You're kind of screwed. But if you develop and find most of the problems of living on another planet with the moon, we can send a rescue mission to the moon. We have a chance of saving that crew. We just don't have a chance of saving that crew with a Mars mission right now. At least not today. The con of this new directive is that it doesn't have any clear goals on when any of this new technology is needed to be made and and when these Moon and Mars missions are going are gonna to happen. There's a plan to build a lunar gateway, essentially an orbiting station where crews can dock and prepare for missions uh, landing on the surface. And when they return, they have a place to go. And this would help us develop a gateway to Mars that would allow us to slowly develop a colony in the future. But unlike the previous directive from the Obama administration... There are no set goals for any of these projects to be completed. This could lead us to have a similar situation where NASA's directive gets changed and we have to start all over again because nothing nothing had an end goal. Another con is that NASA has to do a lot more with relatively the same amount of funding. We'll have to wait until February to see what the president has decided to fund for NASA's new directive, but even so, There's a lot riding on the idea that the commercial sector and international partners will play a large role in developing these technologies. Although that part could be a pro, it could also be a con if we get stuck arguing over the strict limitations and risks of spaceflight and don't allow the commercial or international sector to develop as quickly as they'd like to, which we've seen with the pushback to SpaceX's development over the years. And with the introduction of the Space Force I think that someone worried about a space industrial complex isn't totally in the wrong. But in order for a space force to have that much leverage, it's going to take a very long time, unless something changes. We honestly don't know what the extent the space force will have to influence space activities a year from now, never mind 10 or 20 years from now. But if they're providing everyone with in the space force with a lightsaber, then it's gonna be hard to resist signing up. Here's a pro con. Pro, the new policy helps us track space traffic of not only objects in its orbit, but also of all the commercial space companies using space to develop their technologies. The current way we do that is not ready to handle that kind of space traffic. Con, this could be a real logistical nightmare for NASA and could prevent them from focusing on the end goal of going to the moon and then Mars. Here's another con. There is also the worry of the space industry taking on the uglier aspects of capitalism, which I think is a very real and possible reality. It's still too early for it to have that kind of effect on the industry and NASA, but it's something we'll have to keep an eye on in the future. But a major pro to this directive is that NASA is being used, in my opinion, correctly. NASA as an organization is the expert in spaceflight. In this new space directive, NASA is in a position to be a leader in the industry for all of the commercial companies and international partners who are looking to bid for this new moon to Mars mission. NASA gets to point us in the right direction and be a resource for all the companies and international partners that wanna be involved. There is so much potential for this to be a good path for us to bring human presence in space back and allow the U.S. to lead again in space, while also fostering the growth within the industry. So, regardless of the president in office, our trend has not been looking great for NASA. The introduction of the commercial space industry has allowed NASA to fund certain companies to develop their technologies, and thanks to Administrator Bolden and President Obama for setting that up for us. Without it, we'd be in a much different spot today. Time will tell what will happen for NASA with this new directive. Until the new budget is approved in February, we can only dream. But now it's up to you to get the conversation started. What do you think about the new Space Policy Directive? Is it a net good or a net bad for the future of spaceflight? What do you think of a Space Force? Seriously, what do you think about a Space Force? (laughs) Please let us know in the comments below. I want to start a conversation about this now so that We have some of the facts and some of the pros and cons. Once we have that, we can come to a better decision and have better conversations about things, including politics. So, I hope you enjoyed this thought experiment on the Space Force and the new space policy directives for NASA. If you like the video, please give it a thumbs up. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on both YouTube and Apple Podcasts. I am your science communicator, Alex Girafanos. hoping you spread love and spread sites.